do you agree that you know it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility even for our ancestors that did not know any better been waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation <laughs> Well, it's Wake Up With KC, and today I am going to talk about something that I I love. Who doesn't love movies or even TV shows? But my understanding now that I know better is, you know, what if, and I even asked this question, you know, does film affect us even in our consciousness and our subconscious level? And I have a special guest, Ed Schneider and Sean Elliott, joining us today to talk about things like this. So please welcome Ed and Sean. Hello, everybody. Howdy, howdy. <laughs> I am so glad that I uh, we connected through Steve. Thank you, Steve. And, you know, you guys have a podcast called The film effect podcast and you yes. guys talk about it's like what's uh what's their name in back in the 80s they were the film critics and they like had like Siskel and Hebert <laughs> <laughs> so it, what is how did you guys meet for one and how did this the film effect podcast start uh we met through a mutual friend joe about 18 years ago or so. Yeah, um, sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, kind of kind of serendipitous. I we actually saw each other or met each other prior at an event, a horror convention. And when I saw when I went to my buddy's, when I went to his apartment through our mutual friend, I saw his picture and I'm like, okay, I know you. I know you. <laughs> I know you. I've seen I'd, you before. I always, I love this convention. story. I, I never forget that moment. That was when we had really first started hanging out. You and Joe came over and just, you right. know, have a few beers, eat a pizza, watch a movie, and you're looking at my movie collection and my action figures and you saw the photos of me and cosplay. You're like, I was the guy in line. You and I were exchanging dialogue. We didn't, Ed and I didn't even know each other. About a year later, we finally met. So that's a pretty neat story. Yeah, wow. so it was about it was about 17, 18 years ago, and we just hit it off and been friends since. And we were both, we've always both been movie guys. That's just been something that we have a a, a a common interest in. And so the podcast uh, started. Well, I started it last year with my daughter talking about movies, and then that lasted about six, seven months, and she kind of. My daughter is, which she just turned 14 last week. So she was 13 then and was kind of just growing tired of it. And we kind of put that on the back burner, but I still wanted to pursue this and continue talking about movies. So I started the film effect back in February. Initially, I started it by myself. And then I asked Sean to come on uh, about a month later. And it that special guest spot turned into a permanent co-host spot. So. Yeah, we just we Ed asked me to come on to cover um Michael Mann's Heat. Um, that was an episode we did back in the early spring, and playing it back, there was just literally we both saw without tooting our own horns, we saw an undeniable, you know, chemistry. Which chemistry. I mean, 
exactly that we felt should be shared with an with a like-minded audience mm-hmm. and right. it really changed the overall format and dichotomy of the show i remember initially ed was a little hesitant because he and i would get a little long in the tooth and you know episodes were coming out to be like three hours long he's like dude i don't know i'm like look just throw it up there it's not costing anybody nothing you know if it's too long they drop in they drop out big deal and now they can't you know we can do three and a half hours and are asking for two more you know so yeah wow it's been it's been fun watching the uh, the podcast grow yeah for real you know what i i i agree with you even though you know we're, we're on two different podcasts and mine's right. more of, you know, the limited beliefs, the mental programming, the emotional energetic traumas, history, science, spirituality. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it all goes in tangent together. And, you know, when it comes to films, you know, growing up, there was films that I saw that for some reason inside of me, is like, there's something to that. Mm-hmm. Can't quite pinpoint it, but right, there's a right. connection. And come to find out, it's like it was like a subliminal, like yeah. keyword coding that they right. put there in the movie. And right. then I do research, and there's actually history on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody always says film is subjective. You know, one one person loves, another person hates. But you know, if you love something and you're passionate about it you go into a, you know, a career of you know, creating and then those that have the same passion sit down and view again, there's, it's like an unspoken invisible connection with somebody on the other side of the, you know, the, the country, the globe, but you know, you, you walk away touched and I like, you know, I like to revisit a lot. You know, I, I like to think of film sometimes like little time machines, you know, whether I'm good, bad mood, whatever, I throw something in and I can go back to that moment in my life when I first discovered it and remember my first viewing, and, you know, and this is where it's brought us. Right. And it has changed a lot. Oh, considerably. Mm-hmm. Some, and I'm, I'm realizing now that, you know, cause I, I became a history geek and I right. love now my favorite types of movies is documentaries. Mm-hmm. You know, granted, it might come from the Hollywood kind of aspect, but I've learned now to discern what's true and what's hyped from the Hollywood perspective right. of things. Right. And the the one that hits me the most is all the war movies. Hmm. What is it about it? The realism. Well, to me, it was like you know I the world war one let's go back even further than that you have wars that were even written in you know the so-called bible and then ancient civilization i could go far as back as ancient civilization and how they were dividing and conquering and taking over land and then i'm looking like wow it seems like history keeps repeating itself (laughs) because you know it's like they're fighting over what what was the purpose of all that and look at today. It's like yeah. it's a I'm like, has it turned into a business of some sort? Because, you know, but the graphics of you know the the from some of these words like the Civil War, uh World War One, World War Two, Vietnam. Mm-hmm. You know, uh I do believe it was World War One where that's when the Spanish influenza 
outbreak yeah. pandemic happened. And from my understanding, the Americans brought it over to the European yeah. side. And it spread. And nobody actually won the war because they were yeah. all too sick to fight in the first place. Right. <laughs> but it's like to give you a visual mm-hmm. of what it was like to be back in those times. I couldn't even imagine. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it goes into, again, like 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 getting inside of a time machine and, you know, exposing you to a rally, reality that you really didn't have, don't currently have access to. Um, and you watch movies like, um, 1917 and you're, or Saving Private Ryan, and you have to realize that, you know, these are kids who legally couldn't drive a car or buy a beer, you know, and they're subjected to this trauma and it cements that reality a little more than just, you know, reading it in a textbook or, you know, hearing your granddad tell, you know, a Korean war story. But you also got to be careful because what comes with a lot of these hot, not a lot, but some of them these Hollywood movies is that Hollywood fabrication. So what's real and what's fabricated, you know, you got to remember about facts and, and what's fact and what's, you know, Billy Bob writing in the screenplay for this next war movie. You know, that's, that's not true. That has no realism to it or, or right. factual, you right. know, right. which is, which, which is why, you know, if, if you have the access to, you know, a, let's say a biopic and a documentary to be able to compare them side to side to see how accurate that filmmaker got with his portrayal of, you know, Mm -hmm. this incident in time or, you know, this moment in this person's life, you know, those are my favorite type of movies are, are those kind of biopics that transport Mm -hmm. me to, you know, early 1970s with the doors, you know, going up on, you know, indecency charges and things like that. Right, right. Right, and especially the you know the musicians and the artists back in those times, and that it, it it's just fascinating to me. You know, just understanding history and getting glimpse. It's like you're getting a glimpse. Right, right. It's like peering through a looking glass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but then would it be safe to say that you know the, the trauma? And what happened back then can still affect us today. Well, I'll give you a perfect example was, um, you know, my first, I went and saw Spielberg saving private Ryan in the theater, you know, and anybody who's ever seen it never forgets that opening D day sequence. And it was just, you had never seen anything so realistic and horrific at that time. And I distinctly remember in a concession line before the film started, my girlfriend and I, it was like a weekday afternoon. We're, you know, kind of anxious to see it. It had been out for a couple of weeks. We didn't hear a lot of good things. And these two older gentlemen were behind us and they're like, have you guys seen this yet? And I'm like, no, he's just, I want to brace yourself. He and I served in World War II and that's why we're here today. This is our, you know, third viewing. And I mean, I was literally moved to tears. And again, it exposes you to that reality that's always been there, but you turn a blind eye to ignore. You know, and right. you, you know, you you paid your eight fifty. You got to sit there and look at that screen and take it, whether you like it or not. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there's other films that have you know moved me to that point too, or or have depicted 
you know, change my perception on things, then I'll be damned if the director wasn't 98% nailed on the head with what he put, you know, committed to celluloid, you know, but that was just one moment that I can, you know, immediately draw on was, you know, seeing Spielberg, seeing Private Ryan, what, 20 some odd years ago. Yeah, I remember when my parents saw it in the theater. I, I didn't see Saving Private Ryan in the theater. My uh, parents did. And I remember Dale uh, telling me about there was a, a veteran in the front, one of the front rows after the movie was over and the credits were rolling. He couldn't even get up. He was no, just, he so moved the tears. Same thing with these gentlemen because yeah. the gentlemen behind us in line were literally behind us in the theater. Same thing. And this wasn't their first viewing. I remember by sharing with my father. Now we, you know, we were what, like it was coming, it was on HBO or whatever. And he was staying yeah. at his place and I was staying at right. my mom's. He had never seen it. So I called him up and I, I literally just sat on the phone with him for the first like half an hour and listened to him watch that secret. And he was weeping by the time he hung up the phone. He says, yeah, you know, thank right. you, but I've got to recoup, you know, recover myself. And, and but I want to finish. Wow. And, yeah. and I interviewed yeah. another veteran that was from Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And I'm, his first name is Michael. And I forgot his last name. It just like went out the window. <laughs> And he shares his story of, you know, he, he's like, oh, great. I'm, I'm going to get to go home. And when he got home, he was in total shock. Yeah. I mean, one of, one of, one of my all time favorite films, in fact, Ed and I are going to be covering this in a few months is uh, Michael Cimino's Deer Hunter. That film every time will just, you know, grab you by the gut, especially that whole, you know, act two sequence in the POW camp and, you know, even in the beginning at, 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 you know, at, at Steven's wedding, when, you know, the guys are getting ready to leave in the morning for Vietnam and there's a veteran that just got home and he's got that thousand yard stare, you know, but yeah. they're all just gung ho young kids. Like, let's, you know, we're off to go save the country. Little did they know what they were walking into. And then boom, we just caught right to that next shot of, you know, Michael with his flamethrower in the handle of the jungle, you know, and that. Oh yeah. Him. And you know, it, and it's sad. And, and I even, you know, when I was talking to Michael about it, I'm like, I'm so sorry because of the ancestors, you know, and those that do not understand what it's like to be in your boots right. doing what you did. Right. right. You know? And the and nice I, part of, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, but I, I feel the nice part is like somebody who's not going to take the time to sit down with an 1100 page, you know, book covering the ins and outs of, you know, a major world war can at least dedicate two hours to some high, high quality film. I mean, they're, you know, they're not all, you know, all, all war movies aren't the same. No. I mean, you got your handful of greats with, you know, full metal jacket and, you know, um, deer hunter apocalypse now, you know, and they're iconic and legendary for a reason because they take that, you know, that viewer on a horrific journey, but you still feel safe in your seat. Unlike these poor folks going through it. Steven Spielberg's Saving Private Ryan or Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor. Uh, Pearl, it's no way, dude. Pearl Harbor Pearl is just Harbor. so. That's my point. Oh my God. It was, it was so glossy and bloated. Yeah. Like, I remember buying that. On and TV. factually inaccurate. Oh, horribly. I mean, the, the most accurate thing is Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character being the cook who just mans that machine gun and takes down yeah. 16 planes. I think that's the only thing they, that he got right. You know, Bay, they call it Bayham for a reason. So there's also a reason I've never looked at Pearl Harbor again in 25 years. That's a three wow. hour movie. Wow. Beyond that. Yeah. It's just, 
I mean, I after watching the Pearl Harbor with, you know, of course, Ben Affleck. But then I actually saw some documentaries, and that was more horrific than watching the right. movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and yeah. it's, to me, honestly, war is senseless. It's nonsense. Yeah, yeah right. it's, 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 called the, it's called the military-industrial complex for a reason, and, you know, we're ahead of any other nation in the world by, you know, 20 to 30 times the 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 input and output of you know dollars that go into that complex right it's, it's well, disgusting it's utterly disgusting it, well, let me ask you something you know i'm all also from history to sci-fi <laughs> now i love sci-fis okay now don't get me wrong when they're you know like stargate right you know et you know what? What is it? The third encounter, the close encounters, close encounters, encounters of the third kind. Yeah. Uh -huh. I started questioning, like, hold up, there's something to this. There's possibilities. Yeah. That's again. It's it, it. It comes back to that. Um. You know, especially a very talented director at the top of his field, almost being that conduit. And you know, they always say that you know the the brightest lights burn out fast, but I mean, what you know, I I'm a firm believer that some of some of my favorite filmmakers are. I don't want to say they're from outer space, but they have been touched, and their purpose on this planet is to take that talent and their vision and communicate this to the rest of the world because the unseen creative higher power has called them to do that. I've always and, felt that way. And then there you got aliens, and then the predator and whatnot I'm like ah, I, don't, I don't know i'd like to you know think that they don't really look like that no <laughs> and they really don't do that right <laughs> there are so many different interpretations of alien species and throughout yeah. the history of film it's not even whew. the traditional pleading aliens from the, the yeah. galaxy with the you know oblong head and the a-shaped eyes but you know who's I who? the grays. I thought they were the grays. Uh, the I, I was under the impression they were okay. Species. I, I this is where I need to wake up. You know my fiance because she spends hours watching Ancient Aliens, and she would she would sit here with you for four hours going into detail. Oh, I would love to talk With to the, her. I'm, I'm Anunnaki, and so she's a little under the weather right now. Otherwise, I bring her in. Um, but yeah, she's educated me on the whole concept of you know the Anunnaki. And, yep. You know, I, I I read Chariots of the Gods when I was in high school and it made perfect sense to me. oh you my know, gosh it, we can't Hello. yeah there you Hello, go Yankee. there you go zachariah stitching and then i've got the the emerald talent talent <laughs> really very cool very cool Stop. i mean at, at at the end of the day how arrogant do you have to be to figure that we're the only in, in this never in this immense galaxy we're the only ones out here. Come on now. That's, oh, come you know, on, Adam. And that's self-centered and closed-minded. You talk about elitedness. That you can't. You, you can't sell me on that. No, <laughs> and you can't sell me on Adam and Eve were the first human beings that exactly. you know, created. That exactly. You can't. Hello. You mean I've been lied to this entire time? <laughs> yes, you have, my friend. <laughs> you've been fed. Wait a minute. You've been fed that pill. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Took the blue pill. Yeah. Took the and green now, what do you pill. Think about Matrix. Um, 
I'm a fan of well, actually, I rewatched all three of the films last year during the pandemic, and I actually like all three movies. Looking forward to this fourth ride in a couple of weeks. Personally, I think Sean's in a different boat than I am, though. No, no, no. Actually, I'm looking forward because Mandy's okay. Mandy's never seen any of them, and oh, because okay. we've got we've got the newest one coming out on the 22nd. It's going to drop right on HBO Max. We haven't. We're we're planning of just like sitting down and just doing a marathon. Right. So like like I did with for her with the Star Wars movies and the Marvel movies mm-hmm. last year, right. you know, just so she can just sit there and you know devour them without having to come back later on and remember what she saw a couple of days, you know weeks ago. So yeah, now I'm a fan. I mean, obviously yeah. the first one was groundbreaking. The second two, you know, held water, but um, I'm looking forward. It's been probably Mandy and I have been together over ten years, so it's been longer than that. Since Oh my gosh, you know what? You guys just gave me an idea. I'm going to go on, on a binge and watch all the Matrix with my boyfriend so I there can watch the one that comes out. Yeah, well, if you have HBO Max, December 22nd, it loads right up. Oh, wow. I'm speaking yeah. of alien films. A friend of mine and I were, were like, uh, again, fresh out of high school, but we were, you know, um, we're just like t- tr- pretty much devouring as much as we could on alien abductions. And one day we decided to do a back-to-back double feature of um fire in the sky fire in the sky new about nice travis was it travis waltman was that his name yeah. Travis. okay yeah, fire and then, in the sky yes. wow does that sound familiar almost biblical you think and, right and 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 then immediately after that we watched uh communion where um christopher walken plays whitley streber and streber's you know been outspoken you know author about you know contact with Oh wow! So that's a nice little double feature of you know biopics that that tell the story of people who had right. these type of encounters. And then I uh, was talking to it was the first interracial couple that is recorded of being abducted by aliens and what they did to them. Hmm. hmm. And I wow. can't, their name just went blank. But, <laughs> but I was like, my part, my boyfriend and I were watching and I was like, he's like, did you notice that? And I'm like, notice what? Just they're interracial and they're from the 1960s. Really? Right. <laughs> he goes, you don't see that back in no. the times. And I'm like, oh, no. no, you don't <clears throat> apparently. But they, their niece wrote a book. Wow. And I've had, um, who was it? Rod- Roderick Martin, who is in the MUFLO and extraterrestrial evidence. He has a podcast and the d- disclosure that was coming out about how the government was going to finally admit that, yeah, there's other beings out there. Kind <laughs> of thing, right. Which we are, we're not stupid. Um, yeah. And there's more and more of these unidentified objects coming in. And I find that fascinating. What do you guys think? Well, I mean, it was just recently, I guess, earlier in the year, um, they, they, I, I believe it came from you know, the government or NASA. Or, or yeah, it was. That, that footage where um, that, that they basically admitted, like, here's a couple of clips of these things flying in outer space that we've been sitting on all this time. Yeah, they they it's pretty much been ad, ad, acknowledged as of this summer. You know? So little by little more is going to start trickling out. Right. Which and makes, they go underwater. I find that mm-hmm. fascinating. Mm-hmm. 
James Cameron's the abyss. <laughs> right. And based on, you know, being a history. Avatar. Oh, yeah. I love that movie, too. Oh, my God. <laughs> it, it, I, saw, I saw it once. I saw it. Hey, there's another Avatar 2 coming out. Uh, he's got like five of them lined up. That's the I, only I think he's, he's dedicated the rest like, of his career to those films. Yeah, he's just like, I'm just making Avatar movies for the next 20 years. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's my understanding, yeah. I mean, oh my goodness. what else is he going to do? I mean, back to the well. Likes True to Lies money. 2. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that is <laughs> funny. Yeah. Um, there's a, another one based... Now, is it, would you agree that, you know, the books give more detailed information and then when they create the movie? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's almost, it's next to impossible to get, to get everything, you know, translated perfectly to the screen. There's only a handful of films that have, you know, successfully taken, you know, 98% of that source material and put it up there because otherwise you'd be watching a you know 18 well, hour movie and there's also like adaptations of like short stories that are also true. like stephen king you know right. a lot of his films short stories i'm sorry have been turned into like these hour and a half two hour films mm -hmm. um adding material of course uh to do so right um yeah i'm trying to think of something well, else, like but... honestly you mentioned stephen king and and Speaking about movies, here's mm -hmm. Johnny. Uh, yeah. I question, like, what in the world were you drinking and smoking to create <laughs> that kind of movie? Well, I mean, he's always been a little touched in the head, but I mean, the guy, the guy was cranking out like he literally got told by his publishers to knock it off. He was releasing too many books in a year. That's why he. That's why he started writing under Richard Bachman so he could get more of these stories out. Oh. You know, he was he was told you know cut it out you know we just released something six weeks ago what the hell is this so it's why he created the Bachman books. Oh, I did not know that. That's yeah, yeah. I mean, it's also like you know it was kind of see if the if the if they would sell without his name on it, but it was a way to kind of circumvent that. But I literally just read that like he was cranking out so much, and his publisher was just like, "We're going to sit on these till next year." We already dropped five around. You also got to remember something. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Yeah, he has no recollection at all of directing uh, of of directing Maximum Overdrive, the one only film he's ever directed. He has right. no clue of anything that happened on set. Oh. Are you serious? That's how yeah. drunk he was. It's back. Yeah, back yeah. in the eighties. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think what was it? Um, one of his books. He was so coked up. You know, he don't remember writing it. Like he don't remember writing. I think Cujo and don't remember directing Maximum Overdrive. And they were his, yeah. they were his work. I mean, we're talking well, like he's crank. When we say he's cranking out books, he's not cranking out like Goosebumps editions. He's cranking no. out like four or five hundred page books. Easily tunes. You know, I, I, think I the, can't the stand this. No one with a straight mind can think that quickly. I don't mm -hmm. believe that's that's insane. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh my gosh! And you know who my superhero was back in the eighties? Lee Wallace from Cujo. We actually wow. Just, we just talked to her two hours, her three hours, ago. two hours ago. We yeah. have an episode coming up, but we spent a good half an hour talking with Dee this episode. She's amazing. She's yeah, she, very crazy to bring her up. She's very spiritual, and she channels just like, a, like yeah. I channel different than she does. Yeah. But I never knew that that was, you know, like she was like-minded like me. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just thought she was an actress. You know, no, actress she's got, and, yeah. she just published she's, a book. We talked about that for a good while. She's a real you know? deal. She's really yeah, cool. Yeah, she's a very sweet lady. I met her in person about 20 years ago and shared the story with her this afternoon. But yeah, it's just funny that you mentioned that. Number one, Cujo was her favorite movie that she's ever done. She told oh, she shared some yeah. things with me about Cujo. And I'm like, girl, you should have gotten an Oscar for that one. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, we, we had a nice, it was a very, 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 very informative rewarding 30 minute conversation with, with her just you know a few right. hours ago this afternoon That'll well i'm glad you enjoyed her just as much as i did no, sweet lady sweet. Yeah, she she's the best. Is, and she's funny too yeah shared some great she stories really is her and laura banks i just got done recently with laura banks from star trek the wrath of khan right with ricardo montalban yep oh my gosh she talks so highly of him I'm like, I, he just seems like an old kindred soul. Very yeah. cool, calm, full of wisdom. I'm like, he was, she goes, he was amazing. He would even like, I wasn't feeling good. And he would just get out of his chair and make sure I sat in the chair. And <laughs> gentlemen, <laughs> and I'm like, boy, those are rare in a few. Right. You know? <laughs> Especially at that level in your career too. I mean, Yeah. And, um, both women shared with me what it was like back then being in the film. It was very rare that the women had the lead characters. It was always the men well, yeah. and women played like the damsel in distress right. kind of mentality. <laughs> yeah. Cause and- I mean, D told us when she saw that script, she, she knew that she had to do that because you know, it, you didn't see that empowering of a female character very often at all she was not going to miss that opportunity and it's obvious she's not afraid to work in that genre and she admitted that it's you know because it gives her such range yeah you know to play these type of characters but yeah that's one of the reasons why cujo is her favorite just because you know she starts off like a typical suburban mom and then right into survival mode for the last hour of the film I know, yeah. in a car, uh, yeah. of all things, the car yeah. was like, yeah. your just stuck in there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because she was talking about, because I actually brought Cujo up, because it was her follow-up film after E.T., and I asked her what it was about that that brought her back into the horror genre, and she just talked about the character and everything, and mm-hmm. getting to work with her husband, too, when the, the same movie. Yeah, she wound up sneaking him in there. <laughs> yeah. Got him right. Yeah, like the she recommended Christopher Stone without telling the casting agent that they were married. Then he winds up getting cast. She tells a sweet story where um the 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 casting agent goes to call Chris to tell him he got the part and D answers the phone and he's like, Oh, I, I you know, I just want to call and tell your friend we gave him the part. I must have dialed the wrong number. She's like, No, hold on a minute, here he is. And you yeah. and she said, like you hear this five seconds of silence while the agent kind of puts it together in his head, like, oh shit. I just cast husband and wife. It's a fun little story. Yeah. That episode oh, will be so up. Adorable. Yeah, that episode will be up in a few months. There was like 12 dogs for that yeah. one film. Right. Trying to chase and get to the tra- one trainer, 12 dogs, and he mm-hmm. would sleep in the barn with them right. during filming. Makes sense. And I was yeah. like, wow, I didn't like, wow, what a masterpiece. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you didn't know that until. It, it crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. Um, so what movies are you both more drawn to than any of the others? Probably horror. 
Ed's definitely, I mean, obviously, you take a look at the posters behind him. Um, Ed's definitely a big horror guy. Oh, yeah. I've got, oh. I've got a, I've got a wide variety in my living room here. I've got everything from stripes to Dr. Strange to, um, you know, Clockwork Orange 2001. I mean, I, it's, it's the, it's not so much a, a genre, it's the art itself that touches. True. Me. And, I think that I, 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 I like telling this story. What, what I figured finally, like when the light bulb finally went off in my head, um, it was when I was, I think I was maybe a junior in high school would have been about 1990, 91. So I distinctly remember watching Brian De Palma's carry on television, late seventies, like on a you know commercial run at maybe the age of three or four. And then that done maybe a year or two later that Halloween I knew that the film was about to be aired again on the local channel and I was so petrified at the age of I don't know I would have been probably six or seven that I was begging my father to call the local news station to tell him not to play it in case I happened to switch the channel he's like we just won't watch channel 13 for two hours but I'm like what if I'm changing the channel and I see something so cut to so that's how much the the impact it had on me I watched it at three and then about you, Sean. Terrified of it you. by like seven. And then it came on probably Showtime or HBO. You know, so I had recorded it on VHS. And I had had this copy that I had recorded for. I was sitting on it for over probably close to a year before I could muster up to put that in and finally press play. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You know, you're 16 years old. Why are you afraid of? this film that, that petrified you at a young age. And that's when it dawned on me that there's a lasting effect from, you know, from this art form. And that's when I just like any, any film that would come out that piqued my interest, I had to, I had to devour it. So I can't really finger one genre. I mean, I, I, I love a ton of horror movies, um, handful of foreign films, your classics from, you know, Scorsese, Cimino, Coppola, you know, Marvel movies, Star Wars, not so much the new ones, but I mean, yeah, I, 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 I could, if you had to tell me to pick one genre for the rest of my life, I'd probably just have to end it right there. I just couldn't do it. There's no way. I my think... mood changes day to day. <laughs> Ed, why horror? Cause it's, I've, I've always enjoyed the feeling of being scared. Not that, right. not that, not that movies are scary as much nowadays. Uh, it's actually, a damn rare commodity to find a truly scary film nowadays. Yeah. But there's always the classics. And I, I, I see myself, I mean, this past October, I watched maybe two average a day tops and looking at my collection right now, there's a lot of like stuff between 70s Giallo to 80s slashers to just 90s. I don't know. The nineties was just a really bad shit, crazy decade for <laughs> horror in general. Cause there was a lot of direct video stuff that came out that decade, but it was, it was a glorious time to, to be a 14 year old boy. Let me tell you. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's just, it's, it's kind of like what I was talking about at the top of the hour, like just that reality and, and just escaping to it and horror. It all circles back to that. What I just initially said, just being scared. I enjoy it. I enjoy that. That, that jolt, but the you know, jolt, the, but I, I, I enjoy like couch. I enjoy the atmosphere of a nice old school horror movie. You know, I mean, it's it goes without saying. Halloween's my favorite time of the year, so 
September and October, my my favorite months. I just love that time of year. I'm just he does festive Halloween guy. That's me, you know. Well, I, I I love horror for a variety of reasons. I just it's really hard to pinpoint and give you one reason. Many reasons well, the, why. The thing about it is, is you know, Friday the Thirteenth and Halloween. Okay, how many mm -hmm. times does Michael, you know, have to die and come back to life? I mean, come on, that well, it's ridiculous after a while. Well, I'm not going to sit here and defend every single Michael Myers sequel because they're not all winners. But yeah. you know, I I can sit here. Perfect example: Halloween. I can sit back and I can rewatch the first movie on loop over and over. Probably not get tired of it. I think it's one of the best created horror films of all time. John Carpenter just knocked it out of the park when he made that movie back in 78. Yeah. And um, I, I can choose to watch that over and over. Or maybe I can give someone else's, you know, vision of the Michael Myers character and see what they have, you know, taking a swing. I just... It, it, I like seeing other filmmakers take chances and maybe try and surprise me, you know? Yeah. I mean, at the yeah. end of the day, if you come into that genre and, and you're expecting logic and you can't suspend disbelief, then why did you, you know, what are you doing watching this type of thing? Right. Know, that's what saving private Ryan is for. Right. You know, that's what Bohemian Rhapsody is for. Oh, this I love, is the oh, fun. I loved that movie. Oh, yeah. And um Rocket Man was good too. Elton John. Yeah. yeah so Rocket those Man. are not so I'm getting to the point now where I'm realizing, like, okay, if we're projecting, you know, violence and, and you know, all the hatred and anger and all that other stuff, then we're just repeating itself. We're just keep creating more of it so is that can I, can I ask? put the you know acts and <laughs> stay away from it because can i ask I, you a I, question i'm at a different level now of energy and i'm so sensitive that i can't be around that can i ask you a question sure. is that what you is that what you think horror is, is it just a lot of negativity and people it, yeah. it, okay. it brings out a negative energy okay fair enough I to me it's it's escapism and yeah that's exactly um, what it is to me it's escapism being being, it's, being put in a very tense you know almost traumatized with the, with the good ones an almost traumatizing situation without you know you know you're going to be safe in a couple hours when the lights go back on and seeing some of the the level of creativity with some you know these effects and especially practical effects like seeing somebody like who the hell thought that up and how do they execute it that's what keeps me coming back especially to the yeah, at the end of the day, it's just it's only a movie. It's make believe, you know. It's like right. I tell my daughter all the time, you know. Yep. It, it, don't you know? Don't get too scared. It's it's not. It's it's fun to be scared, but don't really don't think it's real because it's not, you know. Right. They're not coming out of the TV to get you. Well, yeah, the, you got, uh, the guy in that hockey mask right. is an actor. Um, you know, and I I've seen like, and I understand about a spiritual aspect because I there's poltergeist then the haunting. Then mm -hmm. you got um, the um, what was that movie? The Omen with the six six six. Yeah, and all of that. And now I I look back, I'm like, holy shit! You know, we are all creators. So if you create mm -hmm. something in a movie 
what are the chances of it coming into a reality that we're going to live in it? Because I've seen some movies way back when I was a kid and all of a sudden, you know, 10, 20 years later, holy shit, this is, this happened in a movie and I did something. Now we're, we're seeing it in lot, like in and real. It's, it's, that's why there's always going to be the question, does life imitate art or vice versa? And I think that some of these filmmakers that specialize in that genre, they're like, exercising the demon through the work if you will so there's a there's a dark there's just like there's good and evil you know good and bad it's the same in the film industry as well oh. call them dark forces or whatever sure yeah i mean some of the nicest people you would you would you would never expect to have a dark side are, are horror filmmakers in the genre um you know, and it's not like I'm. I'm seeing what you, what you're saying, uh, but my argument would be, in a form of a question: How many filmmakers have you read about that went on and imitated their own art? None. It's never heard. You know. Yeah, you, it's not like you that. never heard. You never heard of Wes Craven going and dressing up and haunting people in their dreams. You never heard of or Sean S. Cunningham up. slapping on a hockey mask and going and killing camp counselors. Toby Hooper didn't rub up a chainsaw in the seventies and go, you know, slicing people up. It, 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 you know, it, it was just a way to I, tell a story about different story. Yeah. And it kind of circles back to what Sean was saying. Escapism. It, it works both ways. It's an escapism for the viewer and an escapism for the filmmaker and, and as well. So it's you definitely know? a dichotomy symbiosis right well right. the first artist movie and... i saw was jaws so and and that when's the last time was you went swimming me. in the ocean <laughs> well, i still swim in the ocean See? But not as much right. <laughs> i rest but my case <laughs> however do you know what made that movie they went way past over the budget but you know what made that every movie, movie does what's that the music the shark was broke majority of the movie. Yeah. That, that damn Bruce. Yeah. It's a fantastic documentary called The Shark is Still Working. It's a, it runs almost three hours about the making of that. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, da da. Da da. They, they don't even reveal it for an hour. Music has an effect too. Mm hmm. But yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's an ingredient for the movie. Yeah. It's, it's an overall experience. I mean, it's kind of baked into the cake, if you will. Mm hmm. Exactly. So if. I'd like to, I mean, it, it's just astounding to me. Now I'm more into comical things that make me laugh. Now, if Ooh. I want, you know, to experience something scary, I'll go and prank somebody and go, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> and I and do that people... at my work. There's someone that does it to me all the time, but I got something in store for him. <laughs> little pranks that may, will make him jump kind of thing. <laughs> So that's what I enjoy. That is fine to me. I mean, exactly. Everyone's different. I mean, uh, Penny Marshall made a a lot of movies for people like you. If you want to, if you want that kind of comfort, you know, it's, right. it, And the same goes for. There's so many different filmmakers. I can't even think of one at the top of my head. But like, it's well, look at like, one who's bringing up Penny Marshall, ex-husband Rob Reiner, was able to dip his toes in a lot of genres, made some classic, you know, heartwarming comedies, but also directed the, you know, Stephen King's Misery. You know, look you at know? her brother, Frank Marshall. 
Gary Marshall. Okay. I'm sorry, Gary Marshall. Gary Marshall. What? Frank Marshall, different different person in Hollywood. Yeah. Gary Marshall. Um, but you know, you know, you, you see my point. Well, but yeah, it, it, it film affects people in different ways, and um, yeah, I, I really don't. What else to say on top of that? Uh, I, I, I got, I think I can sum it up in a sentence. And this was told to me by an actor by the name of Bill Mosley, works a lot with Rob Zombie. And I met Bill several times. And yeah, the, good the, guy. yeah very good guy. And uh, his House of a Thousand Corpses sequel, Devil's Rejects, was about to release that summer. And he remembered me the previous year because the character that he played in the first film is exactly who I was dressed as when. You know, I went to that convention and Ed and I had that back and forth before knowing each other because Ed was a fan too. And we were talking about, you know, what I can expect in this upcoming film. And he described a scene that was very hard for him to get through. Scene that he had to do with Priscilla Barnes, who used to, uh, you know, from uh, Terry from Three's Company. It's a very um, disturbing scene. It's a very disturbing scene. And he was like on the verge of tears. <gasps> and Rob Zombie pulled him aside and he said, Sean, he said this one sentence to me that I was immediately able to just compartmentalize what I was feeling and get on with the work. And he looked at me and he said, art is not safe. Art is not safe. Yeah. From Rob Zombie. Yes. Wow. Uh, I love that story. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Art is not safe. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, you know, when I mentioned earlier, but you know, there's always a, a, a dark side and a light side. Mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, with the, the movies, even TV shows and whatnot, I see an off balance. And there's, and I feel like there's something about to happen to shift to there's a little bit more of the light than the dark. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you need to, like, like, like a release valve. You know, you're so well, tense up full yeah. of pressure, you got to release that pressure, hence, you know, a change in tone. Right. For and a few minutes, give, allowing you the chance to breathe and, you know, remind yourself it's only. And there's like, uh, I'll, I'll, there's something called that I, I remember watching. It was a film. It, I think it was streamed. I'll have to go back. And it was. Oh, there's a movie Convergent. It has to do, and there was another, there are certain movies about an epidemic that uh, uh, happens and it affects the world. And uh, Planet of the Apes. It, well, it's like a different. Steven Soderbergh's Contagion, you know, very precious. Yes, Contagion, that's what it is. But, the, but then you go back to Planet of the Apes. Mm -hmm. That is the same thing. Um, started with the virus. Yeah. It started with the virus, and I'm like, "Holy, I'm connecting the dots." Huh? And it's like, okay, uh, I see where they're showing us some things. Like it was almost like prophetic. Well, it's. I mean, we Ed and I covered. When do we do Contagion on the show? Ed, back like June, July. Contagion was back in September. It was a few months ago. It was like four or five months ago. Right. And it was actually requested. It was one of the ones that, you know, our listeners had, we put a poll up. Yeah, it was a request. Um, so looking at it now, after having spending, you know, 
what's at that time, 18 months living through a pandemic. And this film was, you know, 10 years old at this point. I mean, it was literally exactly how this played out. So, you know, again, that's where I, I argue the point that some of these top notch filmmakers are touched by a higher power with a third eye. And I mean, what Soderbergh laid out there, what was that, Ed? 2010, 11? What the next 2011. 2011. 2011. Yep. Mm-hmm. 10 years later, I'll be damned if it didn't happen. It didn't spread the exact same way. And the the populist reaction and the, and the government's you know, reaction and solution were exactly what we just lived through. It was almost scary to watch that. Well, I, I saw yeah. parts of that, but then I saw something else and I, I cannot find it. I probably could if I went back into my research, but it was how these uh, top notch people were having a meeting and they were rehearsing and playing out how the virus is going to come out, how right. it's going to affect this, how it's going to. And it wasn't from the Contagion movie. It's a different they went in and recorded this live of how they were all going to do it. And then it was going to happen. And then mm-hmm. how it's going to um, affect the economy, how it was mm-hmm. going to affect. I mean, I was just, and I'm like, wow, that came out in 2017. Right. That's this perfect- thing was done and filmed on 2017. So I don't know what month, hmm. but 2017. Right. It was released, and then 2019, two years later, they prepped for this. Uh-huh. And that so brings like, you right back. Athletic, like, hey, we're going to do this, but they, they're actually, like, the dark side is working against the, the light side. <laughs> I mean, it, bring, right. it brings you back to that, you know, that, that, that ultimate paradox is life imitating art or is art imitating life. You know? And I don't think we're ever going to get a definitive answer on that topic or that, for that question. Yeah doubtful ever not in our lifetimes well but then i look at it this way too well we could stop the the negative by focusing more on the positive for sure if everybody could get in that into that type of mindset i believe that type of energy very well changed the world into a better place that they sang about in the coca-cola ad in 1971 you know um but will we ever get there? Will we ever get everybody on board? It's no, this, this pandemic is this, this pandemic has been a reminder that no, that we're as, as far as like humanity is concerned, I feel like we're screwed because you still got people were what we're going on two years now into this stuff. And there's still people arguing the, the, uh, Oh my God. Just, what's the shot? The shot, the 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 the, um, the, the, the vaccine. Vaccine. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. You're welcome, buddy. I mean, there's still people that are like arguing the vaccine. Like, I'm not going to get a vaccine. I'm going to get it. You should get vaccinated. I'm never going to get vaccinated. You're. It, it, it's you know, and don't even get me started on social media. That's that's where you see it half the time, and it just it's a reminder every day. It's like we cannot get on the same page. It's something as simple as. No. The vaccine, which should be life saving, and we're arguing that still to this day. You know that Man, government I mean, control, a poison. You know, I've I've heard it all. You know, and it's like if we all just get on board, 
and do what we're supposed to do, it'd be a lot different and a lot yeah, better. It's, I mean, it, it's a sad state of affairs when you, you have to admit that, you know, basic human nature is almost toxic at this point. Well, and, and you know and, what? Man it doesn't, doesn't have to be. We do it to ourselves, though. Right. You know, break the cycle. There's break some the people cycle. that Change love power, control, manipulation, and greed, but there's some people that are honest and generous and loving and caring. And so you got oh, these yeah. two two things at, at war with each other. And I'm just now my next question is what movies are you mm -hmm. going to watch? And what have you what have you watched recently? I could tell you I, I watched Dune. That was interesting. I loved it. I watched it three times. Cannot wait for the second one. I watched the, the, the original one, and then I watched the one with, um, what's her name? The new one? Zendaya? Yes. Yeah. There was a little I, I saw the original in the theater, and then I just watched, you know, Villa News adaptation from, you know, from home via streaming. So I like the older version, then I do the new one. I, it's, I mean, the older version has its merits, but it's definitely a little schlocky and, you know, shows its age and, and the time it was made in. Well, at least I and, got to see the guy ride the worm. Hello. Right, right. Well, one, you're you gonna, didn't see that. You're, you're, I think you're, there's like each point of the guy riding the worm, okay? Next next October, you will. Those, those like my personal favorite character of Faye Ralpha wasn't even mentioned because they're saving him for the second half, which will be out oh. October of 23. And what about you, Ed? What did you recently watch? Oh, Ghostbusters was damn good. <laughs> um, I mean, I haven't really been to the movies lately, um, which is surprising. The last truly great movie I saw was uh, uh, Edgar Wright's uh, Last House, no, Last Night That's in Soho. So. Last Night in Soho. Which came Edgar Wright? He's a uh, English filmmaker. Um, Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. Hot Fuzz. What was the other one? The World's End. At World's he did, End. He did Baby Driver a few years yeah. ago. Involved with uh, the, the BBC series Spaced with a lot of the people from Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, but anyway, he his uh he did a horror film that came out back in September that I was just blown away by. Yeah, I'm actually mad you didn't call me and say you were going. I would have loved the one with you. Um, but yeah, that I mean, we're coming off of October, so a lot of horror stuff. Uh, but you know, naturally, Ed and I have an annual screening of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles the Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving. So yeah, that's the last, the last great film I watched was the other night for our podcast, Parasite. Yeah, yeah, hands down. That's I'm gonna say that's the last great movie that I watched. Yeah, so, so what yeah. upcoming movies are you gonna be watching now? Uh, personally or just for the show? Well, personally and for the show that you guys can talk about. I mean, personally, every day is different for me. Yeah, I guess. I'm going to be watching tomorrow. I can't answer that question. It all depends yeah. on whatever I want to watch. What I'm if, in the mood if, for. If I mean, me I can and go this down guy or... combined our DVD and Blu-ray collections, we could outnumber, you know, a local blockbuster twice over. That's how many. Yeah. I mean, wow. to give you a general idea for the next handful of weeks we got no country for old men coming up argo 
Christmas Vacation, Rain Man, The Departed, Reservoir Dogs, Serial Mom, The Hills Have Eyes, and The Irishman. Yeah, so we kind of, you know, we cover all, we run the whole gamut on the show. We don't specialize or focus on one particular. A little bit of everything. Yeah, it's a little bit of everything, something in there for everybody. I mean, this guy and I, you know, since I joined the show, I think we've got together probably 50 episodes in the can. Yeah, at least 50. At least 50, yes, yeah. February. Well, congratulations. Good for Thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And yeah. We got more to come, and the number, you know, the algorithm, the numbers just keep going, you know, getting better. So awesome. So, yeah. when can people tune into your show, your podcast? We drop new episodes every Tuesday morning. Uh, if you subscribe to us, you might wake up to a surprise one day because sometimes we drop bonus episodes too. That, people don't know about so yeah we were we were cranking out some content a few months ago i think it was one week we must have dropped four episodes on people when they were used to only one they're like jesus you guys yeah that was that was that was fun it wasn't so much fun to edit but it was a lot of fun to do sometimes this guy and i'll sit here and do you know that we just did two back-to-back saturday night spent a good what almost six hours recording for planes trains and automobiles and parasite so sometimes there's a bonus episode that people, you know, whether it be because of an anniversary of a particular film or a holiday, you know, sometimes you know, we're guar- you're guaranteed one a week from the film effect, but every Tuesday, you get, sometimes you get more than one. Oh, Tuesday wow. morning is my weekly commitment, so you're yep. always going to get an episode on Tuesday. Yep, and so. the average is about two hours. We've got some that run a little shorter, some that have run you know closer to four because we just get so passionate and dig deep. Yes, that is, you know what? I wish you the best of success. Thank you. And I really enjoyed talking to you guys. Same here. It's no, we appreciate you having us on for real. Yeah, it's been been a pleasure. And everybody can tune into you guys. I put all your information and contact. um, Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, once again, best of luck. And I can't thank you for being here and thank you I for having us time. yeah absolutely Kimberly, thanks for having us on this is this is this is a hoot it was good yeah very, check us out and uh um, discussion it's, it's been nice talking about something that wasn't really movie yeah although was, subject rules. but yeah a little bit of, yeah exactly so oh really good because i'm like this is what i like talk about you yeah, know yeah, good we like it perspective of you know what they think about access and things like that because it has to do and i like that last quote art is not safe i've never forgotten it you know and i i I can still envision the moment in my mind when when bill mosey was telling me that film hadn't even come out yet and then i saw the film and i knew exactly what scene he was talking about but yeah he said rob zombie took him aside and said bill art is not safe and i've always worn that on my sleeve ever since Wow. Yeah. Well, I want to create a new safe of art <laughs> with love and good vibes. Sure. Yeah, sure. of course. So, thanks again, guys. Have a Thank wonderful you, and amazing week. Thanks. You yeah, too. Happy you holidays too. to you. Merry Christmas. Same to you. Merry Take Christmas. care. Bye. Well, there you go. You never know who I have on my show. And I love having these kind of conversations. So stay tuned for the next episode of Wake Up With KC.
do you agree that you know it's time that we all wake up and take responsibility even for our ancestors that did not know any better been waiting patiently to have this kind of conversation. 